Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. To Matthew chapter 6, verse number 16. Matthew 6, verse 16. Let's just jump right in. The Bible says this. This is Jesus speaking in this famous Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of his sermon, he drops this in here. Now, again, there's so much surrounding it, but this is so big on what we're coming up on in January. He said, And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do me a favor, bow your heads one more time and let's pray as we begin. Father, we pray. God, would you stir in our hearts? And bring something into our minds that, God, you would direct us and guide us today to set us up for the month of January, God. So you would set us up a day um, where we would turn towards you, that we would focus on you so that we would step into something new. That, God, a new level of, like, breakthrough would take place in our hearts and our minds. That we would come out of that season changed, refreshed, and renewed, Lord. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. One of my favorite Super Bowls was the Super Bowl between the Colts and the Saints. And I was always a big Peyton Manning fan. I used to watch him at, back when he was at the University of Tennessee. And man, I was always a Colt fan because of that. Just love watching them. And then, of course, you know, on the other side, you had Drew Brees and the Saints. It was one of these kind of like, man, I was just going to be a fun Super Bowl. And, and I was rooting for the Colts. And uh, there was something that took place that was the game changer. And at the start of the second quarter, right after halftime, uh, the Saints come out and they're supposed to kick the ball to the Colts and start off the second half. And they do something crazy. Does anybody remember what they did? Did an onside kick. An onside kick, if you don't know, is instead of kicking it all the way down the field and making the team take it out of the end zone, is they just kind of bun it about 10 yards and then try to catch you off guard and then just jump on it. And it worked. And that right there was the game changer. It was one of those things that, that you just knew, oh my gosh, this has tipped the balance and tipped the momentum and everything is now back into the Saints' favor. And the Saints, of course, went on to win and I went on to cry uh, because, well, my team lost the Super Bowl. And I became a football coach later as my son came up through, you know, kind of Pop Warner style football. And I became a coach. And you know what I determined as the offensive coordinator? We're going to have game changers. Every once in a while, you need a reverse. Every once in a while, you need a little flea flicker. Every once in a while, you need a Hail Mary. And bless God, yes, you need an onside kick. Every once in a while, you're going through life, right? And you feel like, okay, maybe I'm not getting quite as much momentum. Maybe I don't got quite as enough uh, breakthrough as I need. And you need to throw in a game changer, like an onside kick. And so what I want to share with you today is, is that inside of the scripture, God gives you a game changer. There is something that that is not something you do every day. It's not something you do every week. It's not something you do even every month. But every once in a while, to get a little bit of extra boost, there's a game changer. As a matter of fact, I was playing uh, video games with my daughter yesterday, and it was fantastic. Because anytime you play video games with a 12-year-old girl, that is special. And so we're playing this video game, and in this video game, uh, I get into an airplane, and she jumps up on the wing of the airplane with a, a machine gun. And we are flying through 
we're flying across this island and other people are shooting at us. And she says, daddy, you need to go fast because we were getting shot at. And in this little video game, how many know there's a nitrous button? When you're playing a good race car game, there's a nitrous button. There's a booster button. And man, you would hit that thing and all of a sudden you would go take off. And that's what she told me. She said, daddy, you need to go fast. And I hit the booster button. I, I want you to know that, funny enough, the game changer and the, and, the, and the nitrous is the same thing. It's you need to, well, you need to go fast. And so that's what Jesus talks about. He introduces this game-changing idea. And he notice he says when. Everybody say when. He says when you fast, ba 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 And then just the next sentence, he goes, and when you fast, da, 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 which implies this. He was expecting you to fast. It wasn't, hey, guys, if you ever think about it, if you ever feel the urge, hey, have you ever heard of this thing? It was not new information to them. To them, fasting had been around for a really, really long time. It was an ancient practice. They all knew what it was because if they didn't know what it was and if Jesus was introducing something new, he would say, hey, guys, uh, I'm going to teach you about this new thing called fasting and here's what it is. He doesn't teach them. He just expects them. And so what I want to share with you today is that there's this game-changing thing that you can do in life, but Jesus is not hoping that maybe you stumble across it, but he is expecting you, if you are a Christ follower, to kind of put this game-changing mechanism into your life, and it's just this thing called fasting. Now, if you don't know what fasting is, here's what fasting was in the ancient world. Fasting was simply abstaining from something for the purpose of focusing on God. Let me say that again. Fasting was abstaining from something for the purpose of focusing on God. And for them, it basically meant food. They would literally not eat and drink water only from sundown to sunup or whatever. Did I say that wrong? From sunup to sundown, they would not eat anything. Or they would go on full three-day fast where they would not eat for maybe three days or five days or even 21 days. And so 21 is a, a reoccurring number in the Bible that you see people choosing. As a matter of fact, you can see this, though, all throughout Scripture, like Moses fasted. Now, he pulled off a 40-day fast. And I don't know how he survived, but he did. He pulled off a 40-day fast. Jesus did a 40-day fast. When he started his ministry for the very first time, before he kind of did any preaching or miracles, he went into the desert and fasted for 40 days. Funny enough, there was a, there was a woman named Anna who was at the temple. When they brought Jesus to be dedicated as a little baby, it said they brought baby Jesus to the prophetess Anna, who fasted often. Even in the Old Testament, they're doing this stuff. So in the Old Testament, there's this one city called Nineveh, which, by the way, this is not Jewish people. This is not the people of God. These are wicked people. The people of Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital of the, of the, the Syrian Empire. And these are terrible people. And so God sends them a prophet and says, hey, judgment's coming against this city because you guys are so wicked. And so you know what they did? They all prayed and they all fasted. And bless God, they made the animals fast. That's how desperate they were. They, they made the animals fast. Now, if you've never heard a cow that was hungry, I'm telling you, I say my, my grandfather was a cattle rancher, and if the cows were ever hungry, you could literally hear them crying from miles away. They would moan so loud. And so they made the animals fast, which may be cruel. I don't think that during this 21 days you should make your animals fast, your fur babies, as you may refer to them as. But the point is, is that like fasting was this thing that they had always seen throughout history and they had done. And, and it was, again, it was abstaining from something for the purpose of focusing on God. And so for the last several years now, I don't even how many, I don't know how many years back we've been going, we've been fasting the first month 
of the year. Because we just determined as a church, we want to dedicate not just the first day of our week, but if we can dedicate to God the first month of our year to set that aside so that God would set us up for a great 2019. And so here's what I'm encouraging you to do. There's three kind of fasts that we typically talk about here at New Beginnings. And number one is a soul fast, right? And and this is why you need a soul fast. I don't know that Jesus in their day needed a soul fast. I think today in the era that we live in, that there are certain things that consume your mind and consume your attention that you should take a break from. And so a soul fast could be like some of you people are Facebook junkies. You are Instagram junkies. You got a drip going. Anytime there's a spare moment in your day, you've got to go check. You've got to go see. You, you, you're addicted to the number of likes and thumbs ups and hearts and a, you, you, it, or we're just addicted to like looking at other people's weirdness. And so some of us need to take a break from Facebook or Instagram. Some of us need to take a break from the 24 hour news cycle. Some of y'all are news junkies. And if it, if it bleeds, it leads. And it's, if it's crazy and Trump and Russia and it's, and then we've been, and it's every, it's everything. The, the Democrats, I don't know if you just hate the Republicans and the Republicans hate the Democrats. And then in six months, it'll be the same. So you'll miss nothing. Okay. So. Some of y'all need to take a, a soul fast from certain things that are heavy on you, that weigh on you. Some of you are, are Netflix junkies. And some of you, it would be incredible if you took like a, a, a break and a fast or maybe television even. I'm just telling you, there's certain things that you could actually remove from your life that you're actually kind of soul addicted to. And if you removed them to your life, you'd actually be a happier person and you'd be more at peace. And actually, you'd be more present and engaged in your relationships. Do you think about that? But there's also like a partial fast. So a partial fast is that sun up to sun down where people just wouldn't eat. And again, it's just a way of saying, now here's the deal. You don't stop eating to lose weight, but that'll happen. You don't stop eating, get really, really cranky, and then take it out on everybody else around you. You stop eating and you dedicate the time that you maybe would be eating and you say, this is when I pray. This is when I meditate on scripture. This is when I study. This is when I, this is when I reach out to people. This is when I'm doing things that reconnect me to my heavenly father. And so again, this is part, and then there's just the water only fast. And this is straight up, you know, again, now a partial fast. Let me go back because you know what? One of the ones that we've done in years past is a Daniel's fast. That would be a partial fast, right? So there's this crazy story in the book of Daniel. And, and basically he gets kidnapped, taken back to Babylon and he's thrown in with all these other young men. And there's a bit of like a, a, a contest to see who's going to be the studliest young man. It was basically who can be the smartest. It was like bachelor who can be the smartest, best looking dude. So that little bachelor contest and in the midst of it, they're feeding all these guys and they give all the guys whatever they want to eat. They say, you can eat the king's food. And Daniel says, well, no, I don't want to eat the king's food because there's a bunch of non-kosher stuff. I'm Jewish, by the way, non-kosher stuff. So I don't want to eat your pork and your shellfish. And you guys sacrifice all this stuff to idols. And I'm not cool with that because I don't think any of your idols are real. I think that's idolatrous and whack. So he didn't say whack, but that's what English interpretation. So anyway, so he says, I'm going to do my own menu. And he literally ate fruits, vegetables, and grains 
for 21 days. And he said, hey, and the, and the, and the guy didn't want him to. The guy running the bachelor competition didn't want him to. He was like, hey, I don't want you to do this because then the king's going to get mad at me. And he goes, I bet you money that I'll look better than them dudes at the end of 21 days. And so they, literally that's what went down. And so for 21 days, he ate fruits and vegetables and grains only. And then, of course, you know, he had six-pack abs because well, when you eat like that, that's what you'll get. So anyway... This is the type of fasting that we see in the Bible. We see, again, water-only fasting. We see it all throughout Scripture. And this was the thing that they did that would shift the tides in their life. It was the game changer. And all throughout Scripture, I'll give you a bunch of examples today. Now, there's there's two ideas that I think happen when you fast. One of them is what happens in a spiritual sense. What happens in a spiritual realm? What happens in an unseen way that you can't quantify? We'll talk about that in a second. But the other element of fasting is simply what fasting does in you. Because I think what it does in you is incredibly practical. Let's put it like this. Um, the body is made up of so many different muscles, right? When you think about all the muscles in your body, like what's your biggest muscle? Do you might know what your biggest muscle is? Delano, do you want to? It's your glutes. Yes, thank you. Your booty. And if, if, you, if you want a bigger booty... Go do some deadlifts. Go do some, get, get the gluteus maximus working. Your, your quads are big. You got these big muscles. Do you know what the strongest muscle is? That's right. You, many of you men thought it would be your, your, the wife's tongue, but it's not. It's her jaw. It's a, there's a difference, a nuance there. It's her jaw. It's not her tongue. You thought that. It's her jaw. Your jaw. You know your jaw, like back there at the molars, is like 200 pounds worth of pressure in your jaw. I mean, it's incredibly strong. And so how, how many know what your most important muscle might be? Your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, again, if you want your glutes to be bigger, you better do some deadlifts. If you want your biceps to be bigger, you do some curls. If you want your uh, jaw, ladies, if you want your jaw to be stronger, you actually want to rest it. Rest is the key. It would just rest. I'm kidding. Okay, thank you, Taylor. Thank you. But Where's the drummer at? Um, a lot of rest for the, you gotta let the rest for the jaw. Anyway, um, but, but no matter what muscle that you have, if you want to develop it, you, you gotta put something on it. You, you, you have to do something to build that muscle. Now here's, here's where I'm going with this. I think there's a muscle inside of us that is highly, highly underdeveloped right now in America in particular. It, and it's our no muscle. The ability to say no. And when you fast, that's how you build that muscle. Because when you fast, what you do is, is you tell your body, no. As a matter of fact, see, the Bible teaches something very different. I think scientists would, would try to say that you are your body. And I think that's not what the Bible teaches. That Bible actually teaches that um, you are a spirit. You have a soul, meaning you have thoughts and emotions, but you live in a body. Now, if you've ever been to a funeral, you've noticed this. Because I think when you're at a funeral, in, intuition kicks in and you notice that's a body. Somebody used to be in there and now they're not in there anymore. Well, what used to be in there was their spirit. And then now what's not in there anymore is their spirit. It's, it's gone. And so what the Bible teaches is that you are a spirit. You just happen to live in a body. But most of us live as if our body is the central command center and our body is us and our body. We live with our body in control. This is why we respond to any urges or the Bible would say fleshly cravings that we have. So this is why what this is why you live in a culture that says if it feels good, do it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, wh- whatever you want, go for it. Whatever you and again, there's this idea of you're letting your body dictate all of your 
decision-making. And when you tell your body no to something it needs, like food, then you can tell your body no to anything. So your ability to say no to certain temptations, your ability to say no to certain sin, your ability to say no to certain just behaviors and attitudes, it comes from your no muscle. And the way that you develop a no muscle is through fasting. As a matter of fact, there was a study that they did. It was a, it was a university study. They just did a control group. They stuck a, a, a bunch of people in a room with an unsolvable puzzle, but they didn't know it was unsolvable. Now, that sounds annoying, doesn't it, that they would trick you and make you try to solve an unsolvable puzzle, but that's what they did. Now, here's what they did to mess with them, though, is in the room were radishes and cookies, and what they did was is they took one group and said, hey, y'all can have cookies, but don't eat the radishes, and then solve this puzzle, and then the other group, they said, you cannot touch those cookies, but you can have the radishes, and I need you to solve this puzzle. And what was amazing was, is that this unsolvable puzzle they were going to eventually give up on, right? Because it's unsolvable. They said, hey, work on it as long as you can. And what they found was, is that the cookie people were able to work on the problem twice as long as the radish people. And their conclusion was not that they were just sitting there eating cookies so they didn't care. The conclusion was, is that because the group had to say no to cookies... They had wasted all of their no muscle on the cookies and had no other extra energy left over to keep working on this unsolvable problem. See, you've got a no muscle. The ability to say no to certain things is a powerful thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible would call it self-control. See, remember in in Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about there is a fruit of the Spirit. Remember they made that little song? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Something it's self-control. Because that's how it ended, right? The, the self-control. And and self-control is the last one, and I think it's the last one because it's the fruit that takes the longest to like develop. It's the one that's the whoo love. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Self-control. All right, that's gonna take a while. Listen to what Solomon said, Proverbs 16:32. It says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. And I I think that's powerful because what he's saying is this, is your ability to say no to what you know you need to say no to and the ability to say yes and the ability for you to rule your spirit or to rule your decisions and rule your actions and rule your behaviors and attitudes. That's a powerful thing. That's bigger than taking a city. That's an incredibly powerful thing. Imagine if you looked back into your past because we always learn in hindsight. Imagine if in the moment you were able to say yes to the things that you knew were the best things for you. And you were able to say no to the things that you knew at the time were wrong for you. Imagine how much more blessed, uncomplicated, (laughs) non-dramatic. Imagine how much more money you would have. If I had the ability to say no to the things that I knew were not good for me and the ability to say yes to the things, where do you get your no muscle from? So there's a powerful element to fasting that just gives you an incredible no muscle. It helps you to basically take a city. It just happens to be your city that you're taking. So I want you to fast because I want you to know that that ability to develop self-control is a powerful, powerful thing in your life. Everybody say, but, but there's more. I mean, there's more. That's just, that's just a little side nugget. That's just an added benefit. Because when you see the people in scripture fasting, I don't really see that big theme come up, although it's true. 
what I see is, is that they had a life that was going along. And then when tragedy hit, or struggle was there, and they needed something to break through, and they needed a game changer, they all went to fasting. Most people pray regularly, right? Whether it's really good, deep, rich prayer, or just quick prayers, or just like uh, in time of need prayers, everybody kind of prays. But not everybody fasts, and it's because they don't know how to, they never thought about it, never crossed their mind. But I want to give you this game-changing thing, because all throughout Scripture, I'm going to give you six of them today. There's six different purposes to fasting, six different times in Scripture, and there's more. I just picked my favorite six. There's probably a good dozen, but, but six ways that I think fasting will be a game-changer for you. Number one is this, is there is something called literally the breakthrough fast. There's a story, if you want to go read it for yourself, it's in Mark chapter 9. There's a, there's a father who brings his son to the disciples. And when he brings his son to the disciples, he goes, my son is troubled and he is tormented. There is something going on here I can't fully explain. And I've prayed and I've tried and I keep trying. And you, I'm desperate and you've got to help me. And so the disciples do all that they know how to do and nothing happens, nothing works. Well, they do the wise thing and they say, well, hey, we can't do it, but let's bring him to Jesus. And Jesus immediately helps and heals the boy. And the disciples are puzzled by this because they're like, hey, we seem to try to do the same thing that you tried to do, but you got results and we didn't. And Jesus summarized it this way. and It is very, very simple. He goes, oh, you just didn't know that one that only comes out by prayer and fasting. He said, there's something about fasting that gives you a stronger breakthrough. So everything that you look in your life and be like, why haven't my prayers been working? Why can't I get ahead? Why can't I get over that thing? Why can't I overcome that thing? Why is it that I feel limited? Why do I feel like this? Why is it that I can't break through? And Jesus said, hey, you need to be aware that there are certain things in life. They only happen and they only break with prayer and fasting. And I think you need to pay attention to this. I don't think it was that the disciples were like, oh, I don't know what to, uh, to do with this one. It didn't work. So let's go pray and fast. And then we'll come back and revisit it. It was that you should always be praying and fasting to some degree so that when the moment presents itself, it's not that you have to go and fast. You are ready because you have been fasting. And there are certain things in life that just only break. And so again, break, the breakthrough fast brings deliverance from sins. There are certain sins in our life that we can't break. We've all been there before we need to raise our hands. We've all had that thing, that temptation, that sin that we keep falling into. We keep repeating. Then we get mad at ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We guilt ourselves. Then we get over it and then we slip back into it again and we just repeat. That cycle, I'm telling you, there are certain sins that if you really are serious and you really want to break off your life, they only come through prayer and fasting. Number two is this. Number two, we'll call it the revival fast. There is a story in, in first Samuel that begins with this nation basically in corruption. The priest was, 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 uh, corrupt. So when the priest is corrupt, well, I mean, most everybody's going to be corrupt at that point. And so it said that this priest, his sons who were in the line of priesthood were so bad. They were, are there children in here? They, they were doing some really bad things. Like, let's just all leave it at that. And so it, it, as a matter of fact, it was so bad that the entire nation was just turned to darkness. And the prophet Samuel gets up and says, no, no, it is time for us to change the direction of our nation. And he declared a fast. So I'm just telling you that there's certain things that again bring spiritual awakening. And this is not new. The, the revival fast, if you take a notes, it brings a spiritual awakening. Listen to this. This is not new. Even our nation. 
Listen to what Abraham Lincoln said during the time of the Civil War. This was in 1863. Listen carefully. He designated a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And he said these words. It is the duty of nations as well as of men who owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by a history that those nations who are blessed are are those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. The awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has grown, but we have forgotten God. That's powerful. And he understood that. And everybody that that, that looks at history looks back and says, whenever you see a nation depart from God, you see a nation headed towards ruin. And so what Samuel did and what Abraham Lincoln did, they've always seen that whenever a nation needs to turn, it happens with fasting. Number three is this. We'll call it the clarity fast. The clarity fast. In Acts, you see the early apostles launching the New Testament church, and you see a repeated theme all throughout the book of Acts. They're constantly praying and fasting. Listen to this. Uh, Acts 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. What were they doing? They were worshiping the Lord, and they were fasting. Some of us don't hear the voice of God because we never quiet our souls enough. And fasting is a way, whether it's a soul fast or a water fast, I'm telling you, it quiets the mind, it quiets the soul, it quiets everything down. And if you'll add your fasting with your praying, your fasting with your worshiping, you will actually begin to hear that quiet voice of God in your life. And so it says to them, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had what? Fasted and prayed. So it was almost like they were fasting, heard from God, and then they did it some more. After they fasted and prayed, they did what? They placed their hands on them and sent them off. In the book of Acts, every time they needed to make a decision or to appoint a leader or to go in a new direction, there are some of you that you're at a crossroads in life and you're not choosing between something that is good or something that is sinful. You don't need to pray about those. What do you do when you have to choose between a good thing and a good thing? The answer is, is that you pray and you fast. And the fasting is actually what brings you the clarity. So bringing clarity to God's will in your life. This starts all throughout the book of Acts and it continues to the end. They're praying and fasting. Number four is this. We'll call it the health fast. I should make sure that TH is very clear on the end. Health. I feel like I said that so quick it sounded like the hell fast. And it may be the hell fast to some of you. The health fast. This is the one I mentioned earlier. It's found in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel again is, is hooked into the bachelor process. Who's going to be the smartest, the brightest, the best looking? And he literally eats fruits, vegetables, and grains for 21 days. Now here's the deal. There's so much information on fasting at a scientific level, at a health level. Listen to this. This is what, um, Dr. Colbert says. 
He says, fasting is a powerful, natural way to cleanse your body from the burden of excess toxic nutrients such as bad fats and from all other chemical and chemicals and toxins that cause degenerative diseases. And so, hey, you just need to know this. There is a real legitimate benefit to fasting. When it shuts down part of your uh, digestive system and actually gives it a break and gives it a rest. And actually, when you start flushing your body with water, you can live. If you've ever done this before, you know what I'm talking about. Because you get a little film on your tongue. This is going to get gross. You're going to film on your tongue, and you're going to see in other ways that toxins are literally coming out of your body. See, if you ever use lotions, or or you're out in the atmosphere, or you swim in a pool, or you just live on this planet, you are going to pick up certain toxins. It is inevitable. And then again, when you fast, it actually gives your body a way of releasing or disposing of all those toxins. And so again, whether it's a Daniel's fast and it helps clean out your system, whether it's it's a water-only fast, I'm telling you there's powerful benefits to it. And so if you ever felt like, man, I've got some legitimate health issues. I've got some chronic health issues. I've got some ongoing nagging pains and, and aches and soreness and these kind of things. I'm telling you, fasting brings health and healing. So that's the health fast. Number five is this, the power fast. I'll make this one really, really simple. The power fast comes from John the Baptist. John the Baptist was this prophet who set up Jesus to enter into ministry. He was the one that baptized Jesus. He was the one out in the wilderness preaching and calling everybody back to repentance so that they would recognize Jesus when he came. Well, John the Baptist was eventually executed by King Herod. He had called out Herod for his craziness and Herod to shut him up. And through a process of another dramatic event, he has John the Baptist beheaded. When they asked Jesus later about John the Baptist, this is what he said. He said, John the Baptist is the greatest prophet, the most powerful prophet that ever lived. Now, that's pretty high praise. All the people of the Old Testament, all the different prophets, we're talking about Moses and Elijah and Isaiah and Daniel and all these different prophets. And Jesus said this was the most powerful one. Do you know what marked John the Baptist's life? Is that even from a child, he took a Nazarite vow and he fasted. He did partial fast. He did water fast. As a matter of fact, there's this, there's this one account where the disciples of John come to Jesus and you almost feel like they're kind of like hurt and upset. And they're like, Hey, why are we fasting all the time? And your disciples don't fast yet. (laughs) They're like mad. Like John makes us fast all the time. Why don't you make yours fast? And Jesus said, hey, they'll fast when the time is right. Right now they're learning and growing, but they'll fast, trust me. And so what, what is it that marked John the Baptist and his disciples? They were fasting and they were praying. And it gave John some element of power and influence unlike anybody else. Number six, last one, and I'll close on this, is this, is that there's something called the favor fast. And I'm telling you that there's something supernatural about favor. Favor is simply... Your ability to be in the right place at the right time with the right people and to avoid being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. Now, that's powerful. If you think about the dumbest things you've ever done in life, you were at the wrong place at the wrong time and with the wrong people. And some of your greatest successes in life were a bit accidental. You're not the smartest. You're not the best looking. But God somehow put you in the right place at the right time with the right person and God does something incredible. That's what we call favor. Who's in control of that? It is your heavenly father. Your heavenly father has the ability to put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. 
This is found in the book of Esther. The story of Esther is this woman who becomes queen because God favored her life. The king was going to annihilate the Jewish people. This whole thing had been set in motion. They were going to literally exterminate all the Jews. This is Hitler before Hitler. And this decree had gone out. Hey, on this date and this thing, we're going to kill all the Jews. And so Esther, being a Jewish person, and nobody knew she was Jewish, she said, I've got to go before the king. And I've got to do something incredible. Now, here was the thing, though. The problem was that you couldn't go and approach the king. This is the king of Persia. You couldn't approach the king. You had to be summoned. And so all these Jews are sitting there praying and saying, God, you got to help us. I've got to go to the king and hope that I don't get in trouble. I've got to go to the king and hope he doesn't kill me. I've got to go to the king even though I'm not summoned. And so you know what she did? She called everybody to pray and to fast. And fasting is what they did to set up her favor so that when she went to the king, she was able to turn the whole thing around. And actually, the very person that had orchestrated their annihilation was the one who was killed, and the Jews were set free. Why? Because God put favor on her life, and it was triggered when they began to pray and when they began to fast. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. One of those is for you. Because everybody in this room is at a point in their life where they need some breakthrough. Maybe they need some power and influence. Maybe they need some favor. Maybe they need some deliverance. Maybe they need, maybe they just care about their nation. They care, hey, maybe you're just at a point in your personal life. You're praying for your family. You're praying for your spouse. You're praying for your children. How do you think that's going to have breakthrough? Jesus said some things don't pop. Some things don't happen without prayer and fasting. Let me go back and read this for you one more time. Jesus said, when you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do. They just figure their faces and just try to show people that they're fasting. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father in heaven who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. New King James actually says, God who sees in secret will reward you openly. Here's the point that I would try to make is this, is that this is another definition of fasting. Fasting is a private discipline that brings public reward. So we're calling a fast starting on January 13th. And we will dedicate 21 days to praying, to fasting. And we will even wrap that up with some giving as we go to Kids Against Hunger. We'll give a special offering and we will go feed people while we say no to food. Because they're saying no to food And it's not by choice. We're going to say no to food so that we can set our attention and our affection on God and let God bring breakthrough in our life. So here are the only two questions that you need to ask yourself right now. Number one is this. What are you fasting? Like, what's that going to look like for you? Okay, I know I need to cut these. I got an addiction to Diet Coke. You know, I've got an addiction to Facebook. I got a, I just know that I have addiction to sugar. I've got, I've got these cravings that I have. I'm going to do a Daniel's fast. I'm going to do a water only fast for, you know, this again. Everybody's different. Now, let me, if you are new to this, I'm going to encourage you start slow. I know every once in a while I'll find a a person that's never fasted before and they get really gung ho and be like, I'm going to do a, a, Seven-day fast. No, you're going to die. Stop. Just start slow. Start somewhere, though. Do something. And if you've been doing this for a few years, do more. Challenge yourself. 
Go deeper into the fast than you've ever gone before. What is it that you need to fast? What is it that you need to say no to? Now, here's my deal. As your pastor, I ask everybody, as long as you are medically able to, I want everyone to at least do one day, 24 hours of water only. Just to like, just to like put that on you, to challenge you. Unless you're medically unable to, I want you to do at least one day, 24 hours, water only. I'm telling you, this, there's this other dynamic. I didn't even talk about this one. There's this other dynamic where you need to recognize that there are millions of people that go to bed every night hungry, and it's not by choice. And when you fast, you actually recognize what it is to live in a different world, in a different time, to live like that, and you actually increase your compassion to remember that there are other people, not by choice, who go to bed hungry every single night. Your compassion kicks in when you're fasting. So this is the big question I need you to ask. Now, again, this isn't starting next week. This isn't starting today. This isn't starting tomorrow. This is starting on January 13th. So you've got about two weeks to determine what are you going to fast. And then this is the other big question. What are you fasting for? It's not enough to fast. You want to have a purpose for your fast. Just so you know, man, I knew this months ago when I thought about fasting. I'm fasting and dedicating my fast to legacy. There is no doubt it is the biggest thing in my life that I am believing God for incredible breakthrough. And so if you don't think, if your life is great right now, and you're like, no, Todd, I've been, I've been doing pretty good. All's pretty well. Then come fast with me. Let's fast for legacy. Let's fast and increase your no muscle. Let's fast and increase our compassion to the poor and suffering of this world. But most of you, let's be honest, you need a breakthrough somewhere. And I want you to take your fast and I want you to target something in your life and say, God, I am believing for, and you fill in the blank. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes today. So Holy Spirit, would you speak? Speak to us as a church. Speak to us as individuals. God, what is it in my life that has a hold on me? What is it in my life that actually grips me? What is it in my life that I can't say no to? And God, I'm not going to try to be self-disciplined. I'm going to dedicate a fast. I'm going to dedicate it to you. This isn't a diet. This is a fast dedicated to you. God, over these 21 days, I will dedicate something to you. I will give up something for the purpose of focusing my heart and my attention on you, Lord. What is it that you want to fast for? Who's in your life that you've been praying for? What is it? That keeps you up at night? What is it that weighs heavy on your heart? What is it that you're believing for in this life? God, speak to us. And as a church, God, I pray for incredible breakthrough. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Come on and give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.